It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. I'm Ainsley Earhart. I'm Brett Baer. I'm Katie Pavlich, and this is the Fox News Rundown. Wednesday, March 9th, 2022. I'm Dave Anthony. Can all these sanctions on Russia stop Vladimir Putin in Ukraine? Putin is not going to give up. If anything, uh, my intelligence assessment is he is going to escalate even further. Elisa Brady. The U.S. is banning oil and gas from Russia. But will that hurt Americans more than President Putin? Wherever you find a sanction, if you find a, a clever crook, which is what the Chinese and the Russians really are, they'll find a way around them. And I'm Jimmy Fallon. I've got the final word on the Fox News Rundown. We're now two weeks into Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Putin seems determined to continue on his murderous path, no matter the cost. But President Biden says the U.S. and NATO is united against it. We're going to continue to support the brave Ukrainian people as they fight for their country. And the president predicts... Ukraine will never be a victory for Putin. Putin may be able to take a city, but he'll never be able to hold the country. But Russia's leader sees it differently. The special military operation is going according to the plan. Vladimir Putin said the other day they're fighting against NATO expansion and aggression. And as for the economic punishment the U.S. and our allies have imposed... These sanctions that are being imposed, they are akin to declaring war. A former Defense Intelligence Agency officer, an American who grew up in the Soviet Union, says sanctions won't end the war. Yes, there will be an impact. Don't get me wrong. That this, uh, but it will not change Putin's behavior. Rebecca Koffler published a book last summer, Putin's Playbook. Russia's secret plan to defeat America. Here are the top three things that Putin has done in order to sanction-proof his economy. Number one, Putin has been pursuing a de-dollarization strategy in favor of the Chinese yuan, the European, uh, the euro, and gold. Number two, he has beefed up his foreign currency reserves. They're right now at an all-time high, one of the highest in the world. Number three, Putin has been uh, pursuing an import substitution strategy, whereby he directed his domestic producers to produce indigenously uh, certain goods and services. And Putin has been redirecting exports to China. So the decision calculus has economic concerns and impact already baked in by Putin because he expected this. Okay, but the the value of the ruble went down. There are all these stories about thousands of Russian protesters who've been arrested and all this. And there was this thought that there were the economics in Russia was collapsing, that businesses couldn't do business with America or, or, or foreign companies anymore. And there was a collapse going on there. Is that not happening? All, all true. There's definitely an economic downturn. 
the Russians have already uh, suffered economically during the socialist period of the USSR. So they're quite used to uh, shortages. This was simply the way of life. As you mentioned, I'm originally from the former Soviet Union. So uh, whatever economic impact we will have on Russia with sanctions, they have survived much, much more during all of the uh, wonderful, glorious Soviet socialist system. The, the culture is very much focused on suffering, unlike uh, American culture is focused on fun, freedom. You know, the Russian culture is all about suffering. And in fact, this is one of the things that Putin factored in in his decision calculus. He believes that the Russians can outsuffer the adversary, i.e., the Americans and the Europeans, whom they perceive as adversary number one. You, in the Soviet Union as a child, as you grew up, you didn't have social media. Now, they do have that. I know that even Alexei Navalny, who's a prisoner in Russia, is putting out information on social media from his cell. Are people like him able to turn Russians against Vladimir Putin? Navalny is a very, very brave man. Uh, look, he was the target of a brutal attack on him by the Russian intelligence services, uh, whereby he was poisoned with a military-grade uh, nerve agent. And yes, he continues to uh, spread the word to galvanize the Russian people against uh, Putin. My assessment, uh, Dave, is that at this stage, it would be very, very difficult to turn, you know, the Russians ultimately in masses, right, in a, in a, in a, in such a, to such a level that it would actually produce the level of backlash uh, that would end up in the removal of President Putin. Why? Because the guy is brutal, and so people around him are uh, really afraid. Okay, and again, also the oligarchs. They don't bite the hand that feeds them. So my confidence level is very low that a coup or a regime change could be produced from the inside. Civilian casualties abhorrent here in the U.S. We've tried to avoid those in our conflicts in Iraq and Afghanistan. Obviously, in Ukraine, Russia has been targeting civilians, killing civilians, hitting apartment buildings and all of that. That is not something that the Russians feel the same way as Americans when it comes to war, right? That is absolutely correct. The Russians have a much higher tolerance for casualties. They conduct what we call punitive military operations, whereby civilians are targeted with the idea that the level of suffering will be incurred to such an extent that it would compel President Zelensky in this case to either flee or voluntarily surrender so that the suffering is stopped. And this is an atrocious uh, strategy, but this is how the Russians are. They fight dirty in, in order to achieve what they have decided to achieve. Supposedly, Russian soldiers are said to be demoralized in Ukraine. Some of them didn't even know they were going in to do this. They may not support what's going on. There is also talk that Vladimir Putin underestimated the will of the Ukrainian people to fight back, that now Putin feels cornered. Do you believe those things? 
I do. Yes. Um, so these people are related and it is really atrocious that right now they've been pitted against each other and Russian soldiers do not want to kill Ukrainian, you know, at the, at the lower level. And this is why Putin has requested um, Syrian foreign fighters and Kadyrovce, the, uh, the Chechen fighters, because they don't have the, the same level of um, relations so that they can even brutally, you know, deal with uh, Ukrainian uh, civilian casualties. And that's absolutely horrible. He absolutely uh, did underestimate uh, Dave. Ukrainians have put up an amazing will to fight. President Zelensky has displayed the type of leadership that the Davos crowd and the experts, quote unquote, in Brussels and Washington can learn a thing or two from. It, it, it is, you know, it is a tragedy. The Ukrainians are fighters, but in the end, unfortunately, it's not going to make a difference just simply because in mathematical terms, right, in military terms, the Russian military just trumps hands down Ukrainian military, which has improved, but it still is absolutely overmatched by the Russians. Putin's not going to give up, is he? He's not going to give in. He's not going to give uh, Zelensky a victory in peace talks or anything like that. Do you believe he's going to go until he takes Ukraine? Putin is not going to give up. If anything, uh, my intelligence assessment is he is going to escalate even further. You just mentioned a uh, uh, corner, right? Putin once cornered, He's going to fight even harder, unleash a backlash, including possibly cyber attacks and space warfare attacks, including on our soil. And this is why we had DHS issuing alerts for our businesses and individuals to really brace for potentially for a Russian cyber attacks. Beyond that, since your book is the Russia's secret plan to defeat America, you have written that way only... A weapon of Armageddon can defeat the U.S. And the president of Russia did put his nuclear forces on high alert early on in this invasion. They've done test runs near the U.S. Do you believe he would actually strike America with a nuclear weapon? I do, but only in certain conditions, uh, Dave. It's important to understand that the threshold for Putin unleashing an Armageddon nuclear warfare type of strike is high. OK, uh, the only in the conditions that Putin believes he is losing a and B. The United States and NATO are about to intervene in the conflict of Ukraine to fight on the Ukrainian side that he would contemplate such a thing. OK, because if, if Putin is afraid of anything, he's afraid of the fury of NATO forces led by the United States because he has seen how we fight in Afghanistan, Iraq, uh, Syria, Libya. So he knows that if we were to intervene, he would lose. And this is why on Putin's orders, a top secret plan was developed. Uh, that includes what we call a preemptive uh, strike, including a cyber warfare strike, space warfare, and even nuclear a low yield nuclear weapon and wouldn't be done on the United States. It would be done in Europe 
President Biden understands this, and this is why he's against the no-fly zone. And um, I very rarely agree with uh, President Joe Biden, but in this case, I agree. A no-fly zone will be interpreted by the Russians as an act of war, and it might very well trigger a preemptive doctrine. And this is why Biden is not authorizing it. Why did you leave the Soviet Union? What drove you to come to America? I was raised uh, by my mom, Dave, uh, to always go to America. Uh, since I was a little girl, uh, she wanted me to learn English. She just I, and I don't know how she came up with this idea, but my family was anti-communist. They didn't agree with the Soviet system, which is actually horrible. And um, I came and went through the immigration process. And now I'm just so proud to be Americans. Uh, that is why I went to the intelligence community. Um, in the aftermath of September 11th terrorist attacks because I wanted to serve and give back to my adopted homeland by alerting, you know, our national security apparatus about Putin's plan. Unfortunately, um, I wasn't listened to. And uh, this is why I had to uh, write a book. Yeah, you wrote, he will more likely than not surprise the West with another hostile act like Crimea within two years. Well, it did happen indeed. The book is Putin's playbook, Russia's secret plan to defeat America. Rebecca Koffler, former Defense Intelligence Agency officer, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you very much, Dave. Pleasure to be here with you and your audience. Hi, everybody. It's Brian Kilmeade. I want you to join me weekdays at 9 a.m. East as we break down the biggest stories of the day with some of the biggest newsmakers and, of course, what you think. Listen live or get the podcast now at BrianKilmeadeShow.com. This is Jimmy Fallon with your Fox News commentary coming up. Day 14 of war in Ukraine. The assault ordered by Russian President Vladimir Putin, leaving a growing scar of death and destruction and turning more than two million Ukrainians into refugees so far as soldiers and civilians fight to defend their country. Please increase the pressure of sanctions against this country and please recognize this country as a terrorist state. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky through a translator addressing the British Parliament on Tuesday. More sanctions are happening. We're banning all imports of Russian oil and gas and energy. That means Russian oil will no longer be acceptable at U.S. ports and the American people will deal another powerful blow to Putin's war machine. President Biden says we won't be part of subsidizing Putin's war, a step many in Congress support. But while announcing the ban, he reiterated a warning about costs here at home. Putin's war is already hurting American families at the gas pump. Gas prices hitting a new record, 4.17 a gallon in the AAA average for regular unleaded. And the president says they'll likely rise more. So is it worth it? And will it affect Putin, even if many countries join in? I think it's worth it to try to uh, sanction Russia any way you can to stop this horrible miscarriage of justice that's going on in Ukraine with the invasion. Fox Business's David Asman. But there are always ways that countries can get around sanctions. And one has to be aware that the most vital ally that Russia has right now is China. And China sops up oil like a sponge sops up water. And the oil that they're looking at right now 
licking their lips is the oil that Russia has that it's got to get rid of. Since we're not going to be buying Russian oil, Europe's not going to be buying Russian oil, a lot of other countries are not going to be buying Russian oil, China's going to try to find some way to bring it in. And that's this is all supposition on my part, by the way. It hasn't started yet as far as I know, although there may be some trial runs. But it's clear that China is trying to play all sides on this issue. At one point, they were critical of the invasion of Ukraine. At another point, they said they didn't favor sanctions against Russia. So they're trying to play both sides. But clearly, they need the oil that Russia is now going to have. And Russia is going to find some way to get it to them. So in the end, even though it's good to sanction Russia and uh, it makes the world feel better about uh, doing something against their invasion of Ukraine, Wherever you find a sanction, if you find a a clever crook, which is what the Chinese and the Russians really are, they'll find a way around them. Hmm. In the meantime, the oil prices that have been rising are a big driver of overall inflation, right? So one of the things the president acknowledged was, look, this is going to continue to hurt here at home. But he didn't acknowledge that. What this administration is saying is that the rise in oil prices and gas prices at the pump are all because of Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Not true. You go back to the day after President Biden was elected. Uh, What happened is you saw the price of gasoline and oil, but particularly gasoline prices, go up in preparation for Joe Biden's war on fossil fuels. On Monday of this week, Jen Psaki came out and chastised Fox News's Peter Ducey uh, for suggesting that there is a, that the the rise in prices have something to do with the Biden administration's war on fossil fuels. In fact, she said facts can be inconvenient. Peter, we have actually produced more oil. It is at record levels. That is simply not true. In December of 2019. We produced 12,900,000 barrels per day of oil, December 2019. In December 2021, we were producing 11,500,000 barrels per day. So we are not only not at record levels, we are producing so much less oil than we were during the last year of the Trump administration. If we ramped up to that level, we could more than make up for the oil that we are missing from Russia right now. So, uh, one, oil prices were rising long before Russia invaded Ukraine. And two, we have oil production way down from where it was uh, in the last year of the Trump administration. Now, part of that has to do with the pandemic. Absolutely true. But gas prices began going up throughout the period right before the pandemic and all during the pandemic, gas prices at the pump stayed below $2.50 for a gallon of gasoline. Now, if you go in, you can clearly see it's 4 to $5 on the East Coast. If you're in California, it's up to 7 bucks a gallon because of Biden's war on fossil fuels, not because of Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Although that supercharged the situation, that certainly has made it worse. It's exacerbated the price rise that began when Biden was elected president. The president himself is pushing back on the argument that he's hurting U.S. production. It's simply not true that my administration or policies are holding back domestic energy production. 
That is simply not true. And spokeswoman Jen Psaki frequently points to drilling permits already approved but unused. So I would suggest you ask the oil companies why they're not using those if there's a desire to drill more. The American Petroleum Institute issued its own response Tuesday, noting that leases are issued before exploration, so not all leased land has resources to tap into. They're urging the administration to send a message that America is open for energy investment. Well, first of all, you have a lot of banks that have stopped dealing with fossil fuel companies because the banks want to lower their carbon footprint. I'm sure you've heard about the the woke corporation. And the other thing to to mention that you hear from the administration is, well, we have 9,000 leases that we've given out to to oil companies and they haven't haven't, uh, drilled anything on those leases that we've given them. Last year, you know how many leases there were? 40,000. So do the math. I mean, we have a situation now where over 10,000 of those leases have been drilled on over the past year. So they are drilling on on land that has been leased by the federal government. It's untrue to say that there hasn't been a dramatic increase in drilling in the past year and a half since the pandemic really began to settle down a little bit. And these facts, by the way, come out from very, very reliable sources. The EIA is the official energy statistician for the United States. Go and look it up and you can see that all the statistics that I've been mentioning are there. And as Jen Psaki said, uh, facts can be inconvenient but they are most inconvenient for the Biden administration. President Biden remains under pressure from his own party to keep the green agenda moving. New York Democratic Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez called it alarming that people are pushing to either increase production or imports, including the possibility of buying more oil from Iran or Venezuela, which could also have other environmental impacts, correct? The dirtiest oil producer that I know of is Venezuela. The Venezuelan oil company is called PDVSA. Uh, That oil company has done extraordinary environmental damage over the years since the government took it over. There are a lot of non-engineers that are involved not only in pumping the oil, but dealing with oil spills. Between 2010 and 2016, PDVSA has had more than 46,000 spills of crude and other pollutants. So if the president cares at all about the environment, he would never even think of using Venezuelan oil. It's just, it's a disgrace. Everybody, in fact, every major a state-owned oil producer, whether it's the Saudis, all of the OPEC nations, Venezuela, Russia, they produce oil much dirtier than we do. So the point is, is that if he really cared about ecological concerns, he would not even be thinking of asking the Venezuelans or asking the Saudis or asking the Russians to produce more. He would produce more here in the United States. Many Democrats argue the current situation with oil and gas, the surging prices, just helps make the case we need to be less dependent on oil in general. I mean, playing devil's advocate here, is that true, at least in general, going forward? It would be great if we could. If, if people come up with the uh, an invention of a better way to save energy, a better battery for energy, if you will, or some way to convert Uh, solar energy or wind energy into a a form of energy that you could transport. You know, with our 
uh, with our natural gas, we can liquefy that national, uh, natural gas. And liquefied natural gas can be sent abroad to those European nations that are trying to break free from their dependence on Russian oil. You can't do that with solar. You can't do that with wind. If you want to transport energy, it's very difficult to do so over land, uh, not to mention by sea or, or other transport means. So even even transporting energy over land, you you lose a tremendous amount of that energy in doing so. So the, the, there are a whole myriad of problems with regard to energy. Even Elon Musk, the, the founder and controller of Tesla, has said that it kills me to say this, but you have to produce more fossil fuel energy in this country. You, we are not ready to make the transition. One other thing for you, there have been polls showing many Americans are willing to pay more if it helps Ukraine or punishes Vladimir Putin. Um, but could it backfire on the president ultimately? Because this is in the context of higher prices right now for a lot of things. Yeah. And how does the Fed weigh all this information? Is well, it that's, comes that's up a to big question. Yes, yeah. that's a very big question. Uh, but to the first part, those polls were taken before people faced these dramatic raises in, in prices at, at the pump. I suspect that as we get closer to $10 a gallon gas and people realize that they can't afford lunch anymore because they have to fill up their gas tank, their their willingness to sacrifice a bit for the sake of the Ukrainians is going to diminish radically. Now, with regard to the Fed, it's a very interesting question. We have an inflation in this country. Obviously, it's not just gasoline, although gasoline is most important. What happens when that happens is the government sells debt to the marketplace in order to pay their bills. They sell bonds and the Federal Reserve buys those bonds. And guess what they use to pay for those bonds? Paper money that they manufacture in order to literally out of thin air, they snap their fingers and the Treasury prints money that we use to buy the government debt and that causes inflation. And the Fed realizes that that's the main root cause of inflation. So they said they're going to raise interest rates, stop printing money in order to buy the debt and raise interest rates in order to pull back some of that cash that's floating out there causing inflation. Well, it's that that could cause a recession. And with all of the problems that we now have with regard to Russia uh, and with regard to bad economic policies in other areas, uh, that they they are probably going to be more reluctant less likely, that is, to actually stop printing money than they have been. So uh, fasten your seatbelts, folks. It's, it, we're going to have a lot more inflation before we have a lot less inflation. And right now, the Fed's in no position to, t to stop it. Fox Business Anchor David Asman, thank you very much for your time. My pleasure. Thank you. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to Tyrus and Tim. Every week, Fox Nation host Tyrus and Fox News contributor Kat Tim give their hot takes, explore weird headlines, and share amusing stories. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Subscribe to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. It's time for your Fox News commentary. Jimmy Fallon. 
What's on your mind? So the NFL suspended Atlanta Falcons wide receiver Calvin Ridley for all the next season because he gambled on football. But for my money, this is a losing bet. One, the NFL advertises gambling during every single second of every game. And two, they advertise gambling during every single second of every pregame and postgame. Like, if you're going to suspend guys for doing what you sell in commercials, you might as well ban them for eating buffalo wings and chugging beers, which I'm pretty sure the New York Jets do before every game, judging by the way they play. The NFL says they can't have players associated with gambling because it's concerned about the perception the games might be compromised. But upon further review, that play does not stand as called because they've got dozens of broadcasters, ex-players, ex-coaches, league executives, and celebrities touting gambling picks before every game. The point is, like beer, buffalo wings, pizza, and pickup trucks, gambling is part of the NFL's image now for better or worse. They can try to convince people otherwise, but the odds ain't good. I'm Jimmy Fallon. You have been listening to the Fox News Rundown. Stay up to date by subscribing to Fox News Radio's hourly newscast at foxnewspodcasts.com. And for up-to-the-minute news, visit foxnews.com. Living the Bream is a podcast hosted by Fox News Channel's Shannon Bream, sharing inspirational stories, personal anecdotes, and an insider's perspective on actions and rulings from the high court. Find it now on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and foxnewspodcasts.com. Cudlow on Fox Business is now on the go for podcast fans. Get key interviews with the biggest business newsmakers of the day. The Cudlow Podcast will be available on the go after the show every weekday at foxbusinesspodcasts.com or wherever you download your favorite podcasts.